Hello and welcome to the Adventure Games Podcast. My name is Shorsha Dunbar and I'm your host. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Adventure Games Podcast. I hope everyone is doing well. Uh, And for this month's episode, I was uh, delighted to be joined by the founder of Goldfire Studios and the developer of Arctic Awakening, James Simpson. And James spoke to me about his game, Arctic Awakening, and he spoke to me about the development and how he went method to try and uh, see how the character would feel. So he went and actually flew a plane and he went to uh, on his own to the Rocky Mountains um, so to see what it would be like to live in blizzard conditions. And uh, so he spoke about that and about the game as well. So uh, before my interview, please enjoy uh, this uh, trailer of Arctic Awakening followed by the interview. So yeah, please enjoy. I thought you could use some company up here. Yeah, not really. I'm good. Donovan? Donovan, you copy? Hey, drone. Wake up. I must have unexpectedly powered off. Yeah, so did I. I do want to help in any way I can, Kai. You can help by staying out of it. Oh, get out of here! Hello? Kai? You out there? Oh, thank God. I thought I'd lost you. Was that Donovan I heard on the radio? What, you're spying on me now? I got it covered, Boy Scout. Landed by some big ass silos. A power station, maybe? Wait, power station? Out here? Hey, Donovan. Donovan, do you copy? No thermal vision, no lasers, no useful functions whatsoever. Can you do anything to actually help? I am happy to talk it through with you. Thank you so much for joining for another episode of the Adventure Games podcast. Uh, I am delighted to be joined by, I believe it's the CEO of Goldfire Studios uh, and developer of our Arctic Awakening, James Simpson. Uh, hello, James. How are you? I'm doing good. How about you? I, I'm okay. Now, as I was t- telling you before we started recording, and just advance warning to anybody listening, uh, unfortunately, I tested positive just a few days before this interview. Now, I'm doing okay. It's mild dose, thankfully. But um, apologies in advance if I do cough a little bit uh, during this interview. I'll try and go on mute as much as possible if I do have to cough. But I'm doing okay um overall so thank you for asking uh now i'm as i told you i'm really looking forward to hearing more about your game arctic awakening and uh also um i i played a bit of the demo uh as well looking forward to the game being released oh, great. uh so now before we talk about that and uh, your studio then uh, i was wondering if you could give a brief introduction about yourself and say what are some of your favorite adventure slash narrative games that you've enjoyed, uh, if if there are many, yeah. if there are any. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I guess um, I guess sort of my background. I got into uh, making games when I was around 13 years old, um, and just you know, as a hobby, I didn't really wow. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't really understand it as an industry, getting into an industry or anything like that. But uh, you know, I'd I'd gotten into games. Um, sort of late, actually, uh, just a couple years prior. Um, 
And I just kept finding that I was more interested in, in you know, figuring out how the game worked rather than how to beat the game. Um, and so uh, I guess it was just over like summer break um, in, in uh, middle school that I, I uh, started learning programming and digital art and, and different things just through online resources and ended up making my first game. And yeah, I kept doing that all through school um, and, and into college. And then, uh, you know, obviously that's continued through um, to today. Um, in terms of, uh, yeah, favorite adventure games, I, I'm probably a little bit of a, an anomaly on this podcast, I suppose. I, I, didn't, um, I didn't grow up playing a whole lot of adventure games. Um, my, my gaming tastes are sort of all over the place and have shifted quite a bit um, over the years, but um, yeah, I'd say I grew up probably playing mostly uh, real-time strategy, sim games, uh, role-playing games, sports games, things like that. Uh, but I, I feel like I always gravitated towards the story aspects and, and certainly more so, um, uh, you know, over the last decade, I would say. Um, so, uh, you know, more recently, Firewatch, of course, is a big uh, influence and, and favorite of mine, uh, Life is Strange, uh, Telltale Walking Dead, um, or any of the Telltale games, really. And we've actually got a few uh, Telltalers helping us out on uh, Arctic Awakening. Um, uh, Virginia is another one. I, I know that one sort of has a, a mixed reaction, I suppose. Um, but uh, uh, you know, I always find um, constraints really interesting uh, and, and, and sort of the I think applying artificial constraints can can really amplify the, the creative aspect. So whether that worked for people or not, uh, that's a, a different question. But um, you know, I just thought it was interesting not having dialogue in that game um, give it a really different feel than a, a lot of other narrative-based games. Yeah, that's some fantastic choices there. Now I haven't played Virginia myself, but I have heard about it. As you said, I've heard a uh, mixed reaction to it but um but yeah it kind of makes me want to play it even more <laughs> um with uh, you know it's some people i'm like oh it's obviously affected people um and it, people yeah, I mean, it, a reaction out of it it's interesting like using uh, you know you've eliminated that tool mm. that's sort of the more traditional tool for telling a narrative which is dialogue and you've got to tell a cohesive story with basically nothing but animation music and sound effects um, and so obviously that didn't work for some people, but, um, I, I thought it worked really, really well for me. Well, that's great to hear. I'm very curious to try it out. And then, yeah, you mentioned Firewatch. I love that game as well. And, um, and, and yeah, then Life is Strange and, and yeah, then Telltale as well. Yes. Now The Walking Dead is, uh, is one of my favorite games of all time, actually, I would say, especially season one and season four. I mean, all of the seasons I thought were great. But uh, yeah, season one in particular, the interaction with Lee and uh, Clementine, I thought was really, really good. Um, I mean, you know, it, it really, really, and, and to Clementine's arc throughout the four seasons, I thought was, um, was just fantastic as well. So uh, and great to hear that there are some people from Telltale who are helping you out. Um, so yeah. there's, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say, yeah, it's really, you know, they, Telltale really, um, <laughs> You know, the old Telltale, I guess they've been reincarnated, but mm. the, the original Telltale really, uh, you know, helped standardize, or I don't know if standardize is the right word, but establish a lot of things for, for narrative and push things forward. So it's really nice to, to get some of that collective knowledge and, and have that uh, expertise uh, helping us out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're, uh, you know, learn from the best is what they say. I think narratively speaking, they were some <laughs> of the best or are some of the best, I would say, still. Um, so, uh, no, that, that's great. And, um, so then getting on to, well, your studio, now you said you started making games since you were 13, which is, you know, I'd say quite young. Um, so, uh, wh when did you, or do you want to talk, you know, what, what kind of games did, did you make or what, what was your first game that you made when you were 13? And then, uh, well, yeah, well, that's the first question then, I guess. So what, what game did you make when you were 13? Um, so the, the first game I made, uh, was called, I keep in mind, I was 13. I didn't have a great, uh, name of it, but it was, uh, called, uh, Vinotopia. It was like a, uh, virtual pet game. Um, so it was sort of 
and, and again, even going back to that, there was this whole narrative thing um, going on and, and uh, sort of role-playing aspects and things like that. But at, at its core, it was a web-based um, virtual pet game. Cool. Uh, and so, so presumably then you, you learn skills that would help you, you know, with other games as well. What, what would you say would be the, you know, the, the biggest things you learned or, or, or I suppose now, like if you were like James from now, if you could talk to 13 year old James, was there anything, any advice that you would give uh, to 13 year old James now or anything that you learned from then? Um, I mean, scoping is probably a really big thing. Um, I always ended up making like large multiplayer games, which is not uh, necessarily the smartest thing to do with, well, especially as a solo developer and especially while you're still learning. Um, but at the same time, you know, at uh, back then it was very different landscape. There wasn't, uh, this would have been uh, uh, now I'm feeling old, but this would have been early, you know, 0203, something like that. How old am I? No, I guess it would have been 01 or something around then. Um, so there wasn't, uh, you know, there wasn't the accessibility for like indie games and things like that that you have now. There was no, you know, it was all physical media unless it was web based. Um, so uh, it's different, but definitely scope you know starting with smaller projects um and and working your way up from there is is always important yeah because i believe the, the best advice or what not the best but uh, some of the most common advice that i hear from indie devs is to start small and to maybe get bigger and bigger but you start then as it started big as you mentioned you make open world uh, games um, and Arctic Awakening seems to be an open world game as well. So uh, it, I mean, it clearly hasn't stopped you. Um, yeah. But, uh, but how did, uh, and I'm just you know, curious as well, because you said you're doing it yourself, you know, how did you manage to uh, make open world games? I thought there were big studios who would make these games. Like when I think of open world, you know, I think of GTA, Red Dead Redemption, and then you you know, now you're saying that you made one uh, yourself. Um, how did you, you, you manage to, to do it without going crazy as well? Because um, you're clearly very ambitious. Um, is there any, yeah. I, I anything you did? I haven't to my own advice. Does any of us really? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, so my early games were mostly text-based, um, which made it a lot more feasible. I mm. did... You know, I did artwork and, and things like that um, early on, uh, um, but it was fairly, especially on those on those early ones at that point, where it was fairly minimal. Um, our games under Goldfire Studios, our early ones were were much larger scale, um, and uh, but still, you know, we were um, at that point team of two or three um, on some of our early games. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's tricky. It's just, um, you know, I think indies especially underestimate like how important project management skills are, time management, and knowing like where to focus your efforts. Um, if, if, you, if you put in the necessary planning and, and stick to, uh, not necessarily the plan, it's going to change as you go along, but stick to the process, and and always keeping the scope in mind, you can you can accomplish some pretty big things. Um, but yeah, it, it was. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say uh, there were definitely points where it was a little crazy. Um, but we <laughs> I can imagine through. Oh well, c uh, congratulations on that. So uh, then, now I believe uh, Goldfire Studios. You founded the uh, the studio then. Um, I take it. So uh, I was wondering if you could uh, tell us when you uh, founded the studio and what your objectives with the kind of games that you wanted to make. So what kind of games you wanted to make from the studio? Yeah, so um, I'm, not, I'm not really sure when I exactly started using the name because um, it goes all the way back to when I was in high school. Um, but the studio 
on paper was founded in 2008 when I was still in school. Um, but really, I say the studio was founded in 2012, um, which was when I was out of school and started, you know, working on it full time, building a team and really figuring out a direction for the studio. And, and since then, our focus has really been always on, um, well, the way we describe it is to, to connect people around the world through a shared love of story. Um, and so we haven't always done, um, you know, purely narrative-based games, but we've always tried to put story either through a story that we tell or enabling players to tell their own stories. We've always had that as a core element of the games that we've worked on. Um, and, and up until this point, it's always been, um, you know, sort of casual, massively multiplayer games. Um, and uh, I, I can't remember the second part of your question. Yeah, no, what, uh, what the object, I think you're answering any, anyway. Okay. Um, yeah. What the objectives were to start, but you, you mentioned about, um, you know, uh, working with others as well, through story as well, and that you, you were, up until that point, you were making massive multiplayer games? Yeah, so we've always, uh, we've always liked the community aspect and interacting with the community and, and you know, building games in the open um, with the involvement of our community. Um, it's a little trickier doing a, a single player game, um, but, uh, you know, I think we've been able to leverage the community from those past games. Um, to bleed into this one and, and we're still trying to do um you know more community-based things even though it's not a, a multiplayer experience we think um uh, just like with you know tv shows and things like that it's it's fun to talk about the theories and, mm. and different ideas with uh co-workers or friends or whatnot and and we're hoping to try and create that same sort of experience yeah no that sounds great i mean yeah definitely tv series like uh, probably one of the most famous ones with theories was is lost and yeah. uh, you know, more recently with uh, Marvel, I know with um, with the, oh, what's what uh, one division? I was just reading theories all mm. over the place. So, um, so so yeah. And now you mentioned before recording as well, speaking with the community, that uh, you you help to uh, as it or you you help to grow other game development studios in Oklahoma, where you're you're based as well. Is uh, is is that correct as well? You want to talk a little bit? Uh, about that and then we can go on to to arctic awakening uh yeah sure so uh I'm, I'm trying to think i guess it would have been 2013 um we had done a kickstarter for um really our first game as as like an actual studio with a team um and uh there was just three of us at that point and we realized we didn't know anyone else locally that was doing game development um and so basically we just set up a meetup page uh, for Oklahoma game developers, uh, tweeted it out, and we had no idea if anyone was gonna show up. And we ended up having, I think 50 or 60 people at wow. the first meeting. Um, yeah, so it turns out there's, you know, none of them were doing it professionally. It was all, um, you know, uh, hobby projects and things like that, but we've continued doing monthly meetups uh, for almost 10 years now. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just, you know, we have people give talks, we do workshops, we do, uh, actually next month we're having a demo day where people, you know, are gonna show off games they've been working on. And uh, so we, yeah, we were the first um, like commercial game studio in Oklahoma City when we got started. And, and now I wanna say there's, there's four or five um, commercial studios. And I actually just talked to another one I hadn't heard of before yesterday. Um, so it's definitely, um, you know, there, there's other factors. It's not just the meetup, but um, it's good to see it's, uh, that we're having some, I think, some impact. Yeah, no, that's that's great. And how an idea like that, that you're not sure if people turn up. And I'm sure, on the other hand, when people saw this meetup, uh, they were thinking, oh, good people like me, I can maybe go meet up because <laughs> uh, they might have thought, oh, maybe I'm the only one, uh, you know, making these games from this area. But and I'm sure it serves a great, you know, confidence booster to people to, you know, if they have any questions or if they're, you know, running through any difficulties that uh, everyone else can just chip in and help them out as well. So um, that sounds great. 
and are still continuing to this day. And that, I, I assume, uh, well, d- during COVID, it's still going as well. That's, uh, you know, that's great to hear as well. Yeah, COVID has made it a, a little tricky. We, we haven't had an in per- We're still doing virtual meetups. Uh, oh, okay. We haven't had an in-person, uh, well, yeah, since, since COVID started. Um, but uh, yeah, it's still, you know, we set up a Discord and things like that. So it's still been going strong. No, oh, that, that's great to hear. Um, so uh, we spoke about your studio now, and then the reason we're here is to talk about your game Arctic Awakening. And there have been a few trailers, and I played the demo as well from I think the Steam Next Fest as well, which I really enjoyed. Um, I wanted to, to ask then, uh, wh- when did you first get the idea for Arctic Awakening? Uh, do you remember when that idea started co- going around in your in your head? Um. Yeah, so the idea, I, I think it really started as more of an idea for a film project, which is another area that I'm interested in. Oh, that would be um, also interesting. And yeah, so, you know, I remember sort of just toying around with the idea. Um, I've just got a, like a, a notes folder on my, on my phone where I'll just jot down ideas for, for games or anything else. And um, it, you know, I think it, it was probably in there for a couple of years before we actually started working on it um but it just it just sort of kept nagging at me it kept coming back up and i kept thinking that there was there was more to this idea and and after um after we'd finished our previous game uh back in 2019 um you know we were trying to figure out what we wanted to do next and uh basically when we do that as a studio we we have an internal pitch day um where everyone will spend you know a couple weeks brainstorming ideas on their own and then we'll all come in and pitch ideas and then sort of whittle down from there and um, I didn't know exactly what this would be but I I just felt like this the seed of this story it, it, it's evolved so much more from from that initial seed but the seed of this idea I thought it had legs because it just kept I, I just I couldn't stop thinking about it and um uh, yeah, and everyone else on the team was was really excited about it as well, and um, and so we sort of ran with it from there. Yeah, no, as and as I told you before recording, when I first saw this game uh, announced and I saw the trailer, I thought, "Wow, this this game seems like it was made for me." <laughs> I mean, I know obviously it wasn't, but I'm like, "Wow, this seems like exactly the kind of game that I would love." So. Uh, I was wondering if you could tell us about the game, the setup of the of the story. Um, well, first of all, yeah, what, what can you tell us about, um, ab- about who we are and, uh, well, I mean, I know we're in the Arctic, but what, what can you tell us about the setup of the game? Yeah, so you're playing as uh, Kai, who's an ex-Navy pilot, and um, basically you're going on sort of a, just a routine uh, delivery flight. He, he basically does cargo runs and things like that, and uh, you're flying out there with um, your co-pilot and a court-mandated therapy uh, robot who's named Alfie. And plane goes down in a storm. You're stranded somewhere in the wilderness of Alaska in the middle of winter. Um, and by the way, it's it's uh, near future, so it's set in the year 2062. And uh, so that's sort of that's sort of the inciting incident. Effectively, your co-pilot has gone missing. He bailed out as the plane was going down. So. You're basically stranded with this, with this therapy robot, and you've got to go on this journey with that robot to try and locate your your missing co-pilot. But along the way, there's all sorts of mysterious things that you encounter, sci-fi aspects, um, different things like that. But really, the core of the story has to do with um, you know the relationship between Kai and the robot Alfie, and how that evolves, and and friendship, and mental health, and and things of that nature. Yeah, no. As, as I said, I, I played a demo and, and and I loved it, and I'm even more interested in playing the game when it's released as well. Um, and now, uh, and I wanted to to ask you as well because I'm sure one of the first things that people listening might be thinking uh, is that it might be similar to The Long Dark, which we spoke about. And uh, so. First of all, have uh, have you or anybody in the team played The Long Dark, or this a coincidence that the game might sound a little? I'm sure it's very different, <laughs> um, but just yeah, on the so, surface. 
So have we, you, we, yeah? We do keep hearing this, this <laughs> comparison. Um, I, I haven't actually played The Long Dark. I own it. I, I bought it with the intention to play it a while back. And, and you know, like most people have a big backlog of games uh, mm -hmm. to get caught up on. <laughs> I, I don't believe anyone else on the team has played it um, either, but it, it's certainly something we're aware of. Um, any, any similarities in the story beyond that are, are coincidental. And I, I gather that the main uh, point of comparison is, is the setting and then the mm. fact that it sort of starts out with a plane crash. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's what, what I believe as well. Now, when I was playing The Long Dark, I would think, and I, I believe I may have mentioned this when I reviewed it on the podcast, because I, as I told you pre-recording, uh, I died a lot and I quit. I kind of <laughs> rage quit that game because I couldn't kill this freaking bear, which kept killing me. And I was playing this on easy mode. And I, I think I said Long Dark would be amazing for me if they just removed the survival elements, if you didn't have the stress of surviving, either of freezing to death or being killed. Or I know the whole point of that game, but what I wanted was, you know, story and exploration focused. Um, so uh, now, again, you can, don't have to answer if it's a spoiler, but uh, are there any survival aspects of this game or is this focused mainly on the story or exploration or is, you know, again, do you don't have to answer if it's a spoiler, um, but are you able to say anything at all about, uh, about that? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't classify it as a survival game. Um, you're not going to freeze to death or, or starve. Or oh, that's like good. That. Those aren't really <laughs> the, the mechanics of the game. Um, it is much more, focused on the narrative and, um, you know, I, I, I've had the same experience where I get stuck and get frustrated on, um, you know, even if it's like a puzzle that hasn't been uh, put together well, or, um, you know, a bear, I, I don't know that I've necessarily been killed over and over by a bear, but, <laughs> um, um, but yeah, that, not pleasant. You know, that, that was something we really wanted to avoid. And that's sort of been one of our pillars within the game is is avoiding that type of scenario where you you run up against something that hinders your ability to progress through the narrative um so no that that sounds fantastic to me because i wanted to you know even the the location you know the environment uh it, it's just so interesting uh, for me that I, I wanted to you know be able to concentrate and focus on that and uh, the characters in the story uh, but then again, I know it's a long dark that the whole point was survival, but uh, this game seems like it's more for me than that game. So, um, so, so yeah, so now we've established it's more story focused game. Um, what, what can you tell us? Uh, now he's, he's talk, spoken about the setup. What, what can you tell us about, um, you know, the, the characters that maybe without giving spoilers. So I, I really like the interaction between the demo with all the characters with Kai and Donovan and then the, the robot who you mentioned, uh, the therapy robot, because uh, Kai doesn't like the robot. <laughs> um, but what can yeah. you tell us about, about the characters without giving any spoilers? Um, or that you have, or I know you spoke a little bit about them, but is there anything else you'd be able to, to t tell us about them? Yeah, so I mean, I guess from a gameplay perspective, it's, um, you know, there, there's obviously a lot of games that have like a robot companion, um, but generally they're, I feel like they play more of a, a secondary or passive role. And mm. we wanted to make Alfie a much more active participant in the story. So, um, you know, he's going to be helpful for you. He's, uh, there's going to be a relationship there um, and, and, Part of that is the choices you make are going to influence that as well. Um, but like I said, you'll be, you know, you're, you're searching for Donovan, your co-pilot. Um, so he's not really present there with you, but this, this robot always is. This robot, um, uh, I'm trying to think, well, this would have been in the, uh, in the demo. He's got, uh, as part of the court mandate, he's got a, a uh, proximity rule. Um, mm. So he can't, he can't go out of range of you. So you're always going to be with this robot. And so it's a very active um, relationship because of that. Yeah, no, I, I, and I love that idea as well that, um, you know, Kai might consider that the robot is kind of spying on him or he won't 
get, get out of his face. But then that's exactly what the robot is supposed to do. But then the interactions with him when I think he asks him, uh, can you do anything useful? <laughs> and the robot says, uh, well, I can talk about it with you. And um, no, but I really loved uh, the dialogue in, in the demo, at least as well. Um, and then he mentioned the choices in the game as well. So uh, I, I, again, I uh, wanted to, to, to ask you then, so um, will the choices, again, without spoilers, uh, will will they affect uh, the story or the characters or what can we expect in terms of gameplay um, that you can talk about? Yeah, so a little bit of, of both. It more leans on the character side. Um, you know, being, I well, I talked about scope earlier. Mm. Uh, the quickest <laughs> way to get out of scope is to massively branch your story. Um, <laughs> so, you know, there is a core storyline that you follow, uh, but you can definitely sort of weave in and out of that based on the choices. And then there are some more, um, uh, you know, significant branches as well um, that, uh, you know, you just, you won't necessarily know when those are coming, but uh, hopefully you'll, you'll sort of feel that as you're going through it. Um, but uh, yeah, so, that, you know, there's gonna be impacts on, on both fronts. Cool, and um, and and then with regards to the gameplay as well, it's, it it felt like just from the demo alone that it was actually open world. That it's you spoke about scope, uh, it's just its world seemed really big, and I can't remember playing many open world adventure narrative games. Um, so again, how, how did you go about at least creating the you know the feeling that it was open world? I mean with I, I always thought that only, you know, big developers could could do this. Uh, how did you manage to, to do it with this game? Yeah, it's, you know, it's been a challenge because in, in addition to that, it is a fairly large world. And in addition to that, uh, because of the scenario, we can't, um, we can't have a, a map. Um, it just wouldn't make, it wouldn't make sense narratively uh, to have a map. Um, so, you know, the level design is, is really, really important. Uh, we want to give that feeling of actually being lost in the wilderness. Um, but we also obviously don't want you to actually get lost and not be able <laughs> to continue. the right. story. <laughs> um, So, yeah, I mean, there was, there was a lot of planning and iteration really early on. Um, uh, sort of a, a high level view of the map itself is actually pulled from uh, a real location in Alaska. Um, and then uh, modified, you know, to fit to fit what we need. But um, yeah, I mean, a lot of it has just been building custom tools to to really facilitate that. Without without building those custom tools, uh, I don't think it would be possible for for a team of our size to to make it all work. And and you know, we are still in the middle of development. There's still a lot of work left to go, but. Um, a lot of the sort of overworld is uh, mostly mostly mapped out, and and a lot of it's built. Cool, yeah. No, it's. Uh, I mean, as I said, it felt open world. It looks fantastic as well. And um, yeah, and I, I will say on on that front, it 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 actually is like the whole game takes place in one continuous area. So unlike. Uh, you know, like Walking Dead, where you're sort of transitioning to different uh, scenes. Um, this is, you know, you will be walking and exploring to the different areas of the map and uh, without transitioning and things like that. Okay, so that, that might make it easier, say, not to get lost. I mean, you want to be feeling to be lost, but to be able to find your way to the locations. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah. It's easy. It's there's pros and cons. <laughs> we could just transition you to where we want you to go, but um, exploration is definitely a, a part of that and, and sort of finding your way. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, if it's an exploration game, then <laughs> I take it to be some exploration. Um, but uh, but yeah, and then I was reading through your blog about the development of the game, and now you seem to have really gone all out to 
try to experience uh, l- what the character might experience. Uh, you mentioned that the character is a pilot and he gets stuck in the wilderness. Uh, you, first of all, you actually flew a plane. Is that correct? <laughs> uh, preparation for, yeah. the, for development of this game. What, what can you tell us about that? Um, well, I mean, partly it was, it was just a good excuse uh, to take <laughs> a, a flight lesson that I'd always wanted to do, but um, it, it was actually really beneficial. So, um, you know, early on getting ready to, you know, developing the character and, and getting ready to start writing dialogue and things like that. I just, I felt like it was important to understand even just a little bit better the mindset of a pilot and obviously doing one flight isn't going to get you all the way there, but, um, uh, but yeah, there, there's a flight school here at, at, uh, uh, you know, one of the, the smaller airports and, um, and so I, I went over there and, and did a flight in a, a little Cessna. Um, and to, to my surprise, the instructor, you know, basically we got in the air and the instructor was like, it's, you have control now. Wow. Um, <laughs> and so this wasn't a, for about 30 minutes. Yeah. This wasn't a simulation, was it? This was an actual plane? No. Yeah. This was an actual plane. Wow. Um, and, and the plane didn't crash, unlike the game, the play. Yeah, so that, that, was the, that was the one good thing. That would have given me the ultimate experience, but I was glad to uh, <laughs> avoid that piece of it. Yeah. Well, that's good to hear. That's great to hear. So you didn't go, you know, too much in character. You didn't go too method. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and, and do you think that that helped, uh, you know, for the writing of the, maybe the dialogue for the character, or at least the scenes where beginning where he's flying the plane? Yeah, so um, that that opening scene uh, to the game did not exist before I did that. And after oh. after I did that flight, I went and um, wrote that entire new scene um, to to change how the game started. Oh, so that's authentic then. That is actual, you know, how how plane works. <laughs> um, great. And then uh, you, I believe, you also. Uh, now you mentioned you didn't go all the way to Alaska, but I believe you went to the Rocky Mountains. <laughs> is that correct? Yeah. So uh, yeah, a trip to Alaska on a little indie budget is is um, a little again out of scope. But um, but here in Oklahoma City, yeah, it's a quick uh, quick and cheap flight to Denver. So yeah, just got a sort of a secluded cabin um, in up in the mountains uh, in the Rockies. And uh, in the middle at, at peak snow season, so uh, I went up there with no no phone, no internet, no TV. Uh, I'm trying to eight or nine days, I think. Um, yeah, just sort of simulating the isolation. Um, it doubled for a lot of things. Uh, is is getting the experience of the isolation. Um, I was using it as a sort of a writer's retreat as well. Um, so I was doing a lot of the initial writing. Um, from there. And then I did a bunch of hiking in uh, like blizzard conditions um, wow. or, or semi-blizzard conditions um, uh, and, and just took a ton of videos. So I took a GoPro, like a head mount and got a bunch of first person footage hiking through the snow, took a bunch of notes and, and uh, photos and videos and things like that. So yeah, I mean, there's a, a lot of really great reference material that um, it has gone into the environment. We we found it really important to to try and ground the both the environment and the story in reality as much as possible to um, you know to at least make it plausible uh, from that sense. But yeah, I mean all sorts of little details like you know I noticed that uh, the the birds would start chirping right as as uh, the sun would come up and that would continue until early afternoon and it would sort of start to die out and there was another sort of peak in the later afternoon and and then in the evening onwards it was pretty much silent and so we've sort of added that pattern into the environment and and things of that nature fantastic so again it's uh if the, if the game feels authentic it's because you actually uh, did this <laughs> you experienced it you, you, you were like kai <laughs> you flew a plane and you were uh in in these conditions in a in a winter setting so but again uh, thankfully i had access to a grocery <laughs> store and and didn't have to uh live off the land so Right. Didn't yes. Go, didn't go full method. <laughs> so, and uh, did you have to collect branches to uh, to build a fire? Or? 
No, there was a heater as well. So oh, okay. I, I didn't go that extreme. <laughs> so, but I'm still. It's uh, it's 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 you know, it, it's something at least. You still go, um, you know, to find out how a character would, uh, would be in that those conditions to so, to some extent. Um, but no, f- fantastic. Um, and uh, then I I noticed as well that I believe it mentioned uh, that th- this game is it going to be released. Uh, ep- uh, well, in one full game, but in episodes, is that correct? Um, that it was it was supposed to be released first of all as episodic games. Yeah. So yeah. Um, yeah. So we ended up switching the model on that, but um, it is still the story is still broken up into episodes. They'll just all be released um, at once. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, from the very beginning, we knew we wanted to do that model we just really liked uh sort of the the television format of a being able to break it up into sort of more digestible chunks um so uh you know i know for me i have a hard time playing especially like triple a games that are just so long it's just yes. hard to get started on those mm-hmm. um and i just know i'm never going to be able to finish them um so we wanted to do something where it's like okay I, you know i've got an hour so i can play through an episode um and um, so that was part of it. And then just in terms of like character development, just that sort of structure works so well for that um, and sort of compartmentalizing the and whatnot. Um, so we knew we wanted to do that from the beginning. The original plan was to release in episodes every month, um, but uh, you know, there's been a spotty track record with, with that sort of model in uh, games um and so we just decided to do it do it all as once uh, as uh, one release and um and just keep them broken up in the in the actual game so you can sort of you can play it at your own pace yeah i mean well uh as as it happens uh telltale i heard were pretty good at that uh the episodic release which uh, <laughs> Um, but but yeah, and I think now what companies have done, including the developers of Life is Strange, and that is uh, still have like the episodic format, but all at once. And I think Telltale are doing that with uh, Wolf Among Us uh, Part Two. Um, so yep. so so yeah, so you still have it. And we well, we found out uh, the dangers of it with uh, Telltale the Walking Dead season four. Thankfully, they were able to finish it, but. Um, but yeah, you're still able to keep the TV format that um, you know with episodic release as well. So no, that sounds that sounds great. Um, and now from the demo as well, the the voice acting I found was was fantastic. You know, I, the characters were believable. Oh, uh, you know, for all, all of them, including the robot, <laughs> and uh, you know, I was able to. I, I just believed in the characters. Um, now, I suppose before we get to that, another thing that you mentioned in your blog that I found interesting was, I believe to put a placeholder dialogue, use was it Google Text to Speech? Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. So I wonder if you could talk about that, maybe for other developers. You know, how did that work, and how did that help you uh, creating the dialogue for this game? Yeah, that that was a, a big benefit. Um, we knew, you know, recorded dialogue. Well, well, two things. We knew we didn't have the budget to record and re-record over and over like like some of the bigger studios do um and we also didn't want to uh just effort wise doing developer dialogue where well though though it would have been hilarious but recording the dialogue manually ourselves to <laughs> to just put in as placeholders wasn't we didn't feel like a good option um but uh yeah we've we spent quite a bit of time on on custom tooling and we built this tool called uh, that we call story db um, that it's basically like a CMS for the dialogue. Um, and it's really helpful for the, both the localization and the voiceover. And so basically we just hooked into, uh, uh, Google's text-to-speech API, um, which at this scale is, is free. Um, and whenever, whenever we load a, you know, a line in there, it just automatically generates the dialogue and then we can, um, sync that into, um, into Unity, and then um, it's able to play in the game. And so it's really helpful to be able to, um, you know, test the the pacing and and um, you know the the rough timings for um, like dialogue along a certain trail or different things like that, and just see how things are working. 
yeah well glad to hear that it that it helped and uh it, any time, any point, did you consider using that as a final voiceover? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> I'm kind of joking. I mean, I was hoping not, but. <laughs> uh, it, it was a, it was especially hilarious um, during the opening scene when the plane is going down because it, you know, it's a very tense moment and the voices are just so monotone, you know, <laughs> oh no, the, the tail is gone uh, sort of thing. Um, so it was, it was a very exciting moment when we had actual dialogue in there and it just sort of completely changed the tone of, of those scenes. <laughs> I can imagine. Well, thankfully, as, as I mentioned, uh, the voice actors were not monotonous. Uh, they were quite good. So uh, what if you could talk, talk to me a little bit about them? So uh, who, who are the, the voice actors for the, well, the two main characters and the robot? Um, yeah, so yeah, we're really excited about our, our uh, cast. Um, we spent about four, mm, four or five months, I'd say, on the casting. We really wanted to make sure we nailed it um, because we knew that was a, just a really important aspect to convey the you know, emotional elements and, and to really be able to connect with the characters. Um, so first and foremost, we're working with um, uh, Julian Kwasniewski from uh, Bay Area Sound who started at LucasArts back in the 90s. Um, and then he did voice direction and, and sound design for pretty much all of the Telltale stuff, including Walking Dead. Um, and also Ooh, worked that... on Firewatch and Call of the Sea and a bunch of other stuff. Wow, so, well, I've definitely heard of him, yes. Yeah, so we're really excited to have him on board. Um, he's really great. And, um, and yeah, for, for our actors, so Kai, um, is the, the player character is Jason Manasia, um, who probably won't have heard of from, from games or VO, um, but he's a 30-year vet of the theater. Um, so he's a really great actor. Um, and I, I think he just embodies the character really, really well. Um, and then Donovan, the co-pilot, is Dave B. Mitchell, and Alfie is uh, Alejandro Saab. Those are two that you've probably heard in a, a bunch of games um, without realizing it. Uh, they've been in, each of them have been in well over 200 uh, games, anime, TV shows, things like that, both indie, AAA, and, and everything in between. Um, so we're really excited to have them on board. Um, and then we're also working with, uh, or we will be working with Chia Court, um, who plays a character who uh, she doesn't come along until a little bit later in the story. Um, so we haven't done any recording with her yet, but um, she's also got a, a really stellar track record and, and we're excited to have her on board as well. Fantastic. Um, and are you uh, working with them remotely or are you working with them in a studio or, or how are they recording the line for the game? Yeah, yeah. So it's all, it's all remote. Um, I think, you know, these days... Uh, thanks to the mm. pandemic, yeah, uh, pretty most, much most everything. Voice actors <laughs> have a you know have a really good home studio, mm. uh, but that was you know that was one of the uh, requirements while we were going through the casting because we knew that was um, something we would need. We're a remote team as well, and um, and so it just it worked for us, and it's it's more um, it's more budget friendly for an indie um, to do it that way as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, it's, uh, you know, we've all been had to work remotely, I think, or a lot of us uh, during the pandemic. And uh, there are definitely some benefits uh, as well. And well, you wouldn't notice in, in the game. Um, and uh, th then about uh, th the music, do you have someone doing the music in the game and the, and the sound design? Do you have anyone doing that? Or are you doing that um... yourselves? Yeah, so we're uh, we're working with a composer out of uh, London um, named uh, Joff Winks, and uh, he's doing the music. And then uh, one of our developers actually has a background in music as well, so he's helping on that front, and he's um, leading up the sound design. Uh, but then, like I said, Julian uh, Kwasniewski also um, has done a whole lot of sound design, so he's helping out on that front as well. Perfect. Um, yeah, no, well, I'm sure it'll, it'll sound good as well. Um, and then actually I wanted to, to ask you about, you know, marketing the game and the demo as well. 
because one thing that I'm curious about is with a narrative focused game, when releasing a demo, um, now I know this game is the is kind of the prologue to demo. Uh, were you could did you think hard about what to show of the game because were you thinking if I show anything might be spoilers or because I know some developers have just a separate prologue just to show what the game is like but then of course that's more more work uh, so how, how did you go go about that choosing what to show in the demo or was this always um, the decision was this always going to be the beginning or how did you come to the decision? To sh- you know, to show what's in the demo of the story. Yeah, um, yeah. That I mean, that was definitely a challenge, um, and it was something we were, uh, you know, a little bit concerned with. Um, we hadn't planned to do a demo early on, um, so we weren't necessarily planning for that. But you know, just from a, a marketing standpoint, it's uh, demos. It seemed like demos went away for a long time, and and now mm. they're really coming back. Yeah, they seem to come back in important. a big way. Yeah. <laughs> Um, for marketing. Uh, so, you know, the, the good thing for us is we are developing the game basically um, in a, uh, you know, unlike a, a movie or something where you're filming the different scenes all out of order, we're doing, we're developing basically in order. Um, so the most polished part of the game was the very beginning of the game. And, and that would be obviously the part without really spoilers. Um, and so it sort of just worked out. Now, I will say that the demo certainly was not nearly as polished as we would have liked. Um, but, you know, when you're participating in various uh, festivals and whatnot, um, you sort of have to work to that timeline. Mm. Okay, so will there be any changes in the main game then uh, to this? Yeah, so we, I mean, we got a lot of really great feedback. Um, you know, we've adjusted some some pacing issues we found in in the dialogue and things like that. Um, but I, I'd say probably um, probably the biggest issue we ran into was with uh, the robot's AI um, and his navigation, um, which was something we knew, you know, we were still working on, but um, it was clear from from the demo that it was a bigger issue than we had realized. So we've been uh, we've been basically just completely overhauling that and it's it's almost done now and it's it's looking a lot better. But um, that I had mentioned, I think that uh, you know we we really wanted to focus on player agency um, so that you know it didn't just feel like you're on a rail. it felt felt like you're actually lost in the wilderness. And mm. so we we didn't want you to just be following Alfie everywhere, um, uh, but that's how most people perceived it when they played the demo. And because Alfie wasn't actually leading you anywhere, it just got you lost, <laughs> like actually lost. <laughs> um, so um, so yeah, we've we've sort of been overhauling how that stuff works, and I think it's going to be a lot more intuitive and and. Uh, uh, make the exploration a lot more dynamic and, and interesting. Cool. Well, at least it's uh, seems to be helping. So, would you say a demo has uh, has helped um, with you know promoting the game and getting the word out about there? Uh, then, do you think that has helped? Yeah, it's 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 been it's been huge for the the marketing for the game. Um, I'd say the exposure has gone up probably four x in just the last two months. Um, Wow, uh, you know, around wish lists on Steam and and social media and the community that we've got on Discord and things like that. It's it's uh, it feels like we've got um, you know a snowball going uh, to to use a themed term. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, uh, no, that might become a, an avalanche. Hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that sounds fantastic. And then the trailers have been pretty good as well. Uh, have you create? Did you create the trailers yourselves, or did uh, you get an outsource? Do you outsource the trailers, or how did how did you make those? Um, yeah, so we're working with a, a freelance trailer editor, uh, Benjamin Combs. Uh, he he's uh, worked on both of the trailers with us, um, and yeah, I mean it's it's really a collaborative thing. We we sort of bounce ideas off and um, sort of figure out an outline, and and he'll go in and 
and capture different things and experiment and then we'll um you know go through a couple weeks of iteration until we until we land on what we like and get it polished up cool and i imagine it's similar to a demo that you have to be careful not to show any spoilers but you want to show enough to entice people to play the game and yeah and it, it's difficult because you have to think about like you know in a trailer you need to keep the idea of it simple so that it's not confusing it's immediately clear what's going on um but at the same time you don't want to um you know give the wrong impression that the game only revolves around that one thing so it's mm. it's sort of a, a balancing act but yeah go, going into it you know we basically brainstormed a list of like spoilers or or areas mm. or things like that that we just cannot show and then other stuff that like you know this stuff would be okay to show and um and just trying to whittle that down to a uh, a core that made sense i i can imagine um well that's great so um i i think that's all the the questions that uh that i had uh, are you, uh, do you have any, are you able to say if you are like after, I know you're still hard to work on Arctic Awakening. Do you have any other ideas for any other kind of, for any other games that you may be making afterwards? Um, are you able to say any, anything at all, or even yes or no? <laughs> uh, so af after Arctic Awakening, do you have any other ideas or plans that you might be involved in making? um yeah so there's i mean there's there's always there's always more ideas um and we definitely have a big list of of things most of which we'll of course never get to but um yeah i mean you know we've built a lot of custom tooling for arctic awakening and uh part of the reasoning for that is uh well a like i said i, I don't think we would have made the game without the tooling but um b we're hoping that we can use that for future games like this um, uh, to help make it more uh, feasible and to be able to, you know, create these games more quickly. Um, I don't know what what that next thing is going to be. Um, I will say, you know, we've been getting a whole lot of interest, uh, and this is not confirming anything, but <laughs> we've gotten a whole lot of interest in VR for Arctic Awakening. Oh, um, wow, yeah. And it's something we were interested in early on and, and thought that it could work well in that format. Um, but again, coming back to scope, we just mm. sort of set that idea aside and we're like, we'll think about this again after we've actually finished the game. Sure. Um, so that could be something, you know, that we explore um, in the short term after uh, the game is complete. But... But beyond that, um, you know, it'll, it'll probably be the same thing where we'll internally pitch different ideas and, and sort of figure out what what gets the team excited. Yes, no, you could. I, I can definitely see VR with this game working from the little I've played in the demo. Uh, I think that could be pretty cool. I mean, maybe you could make set your next game in the Antarctica because we have the snowy locations. <laughs> <laughs> Just add, is, is this, are the penguins and polar bears there? Or I, I always get confused. Um, but <laughs> um, no, that sounds great. And do you have any, uh, so uh, where, where will this game, do you plan on pl releasing this game? It's a PC, uh, I you know, do you plan on releasing it on consoles as well? Yeah, so we don't have the exact lineup confirmed just yet, although hopefully we will uh, here before too long. But but the plan is uh, Xbox and PlayStation. We'd like to do Switch at some point. Um, that one definitely won't be feasible at launch um, just because uh, just for technical reasons, it'll be a, right. a much larger port. We use some, you know, we use some uh, uh, to get to get the large forest rendering. We use some shader techniques that uh, just aren't supported on the switch right right yeah that that makes sense um and and yeah so where where can people find this so if they wanted to find out more about uh, the game arctic awakening or about uh your studio where can people find you now i will include links in the show notes but just for people listening um is there anywhere that they can find out more about both your studio and the game 
Um, yeah, for the game, it's just arcticawakening.com and, and there's a link to wishlisted on Steam there as well. Uh, for the studio, it's goldfirestudios.com. Um, and yeah, and we try and post, you know, regular dev blogs and things like that. Um, and then on, on social media, primarily uh, Twitter. So for me, it's at Goldfire Studios. And for, um, for the game, it's at Arctic Awakening. Perfect. Well, I should include the links down in the show notes. And, and yes, this is a reminder to people listening to Wishlist. I believe that really helps developers, uh, correct, to, for people to wishlist. That really helps you to have an idea of how many people are interested in your game. Yeah, wishlisting, especially for indies, is is um, really helpful uh, because it's also something that you know Steam uses to determine mm. uh, visibility and things like that as as part of their you know mysterious algorithm. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, you know, when talking about marketing for indie games, it's wishlisting on Steam is is definitely our big focus and and really helps us out. Okay, well, so people can uh, wishlist on Steam and include a link to that as well in the show notes and uh and yeah i think that is uh that that is it so um is there anything else that you'd like to mention james that we haven't covered we haven't mentioned before we finish or anything you'd like to say to finish this off i know i know well not to finish this off wow that sounded or to finish the interview <laughs> 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 finish this off in, an, in the arctic uh, <laughs> yeah some guy with i don't know an axe but uh, um so t- t- take it away james ha- ha- if there's anything that you would like to mention to people listening or an- or anything um i you know i i think we covered um most of the stuff but uh you know i guess i guess the one thing um i would say uh or the one thing I would bring up that I think is a little bit different about how we've approached this game is, is what we call story first. Um, and I'm hoping that this will show through in the end product. Um, but, you know, traditionally games are made um, where uh, the mechanics and the gameplay and things like that are figured out first. And then you sort of attach a story on, on top of that. And so we wanted to, to flip that script and, and, any mechanic, any gameplay, any uh, prop or piece of art or anything like that, we we pass it through that what we call a story first filter. If it's not something that's going to elevate the story, push the story forward, or in some way benefit the story, um, it probably doesn't belong in the game. Um, and so, you know, when I talked about it, it's not a survival game; it's it's about the story. I, like that's something that we really got at the core. And we really want to make it a, um, a you know, a really great story experience. Again, talking about TV, that that was really a, a driving influence um, early on was all of the great TV that we've got, and the idea that that games can be an even better storytelling medium than mm. film or TV, um, and we don't feel like it's gone all the way to that level now. Not saying that we're going to take it there, but if we can, um, you know, do our little part to help push it more towards that direction, then, um, you know, that's definitely a goal for us. Fantastic. So there's no grinding or moon logic puzzles that are fit like that are illogical and fit outside the story. Then everything was focused on on the sto- on the story. Then uh, in the in the game to make sure the story comes first. Yeah. Yeah. And and. Um, there's there's certainly things you you could classify as puzzle that make you you know think sure. figure things out but it's it's again it, it it always goes through that filter if it uh, we don't use the word puzzle when we talk about it um, mm. because that feels feels like something that's not natural to the story it has to come out of the story it has to be driving the story forward um, in some way well, fantastic and. Uh... Uh, so, what, what do you do? You, is there a word for these things instead of puzzles, like challenges or anything, or anything that so it's integrated into the story? But do you have a word for them? Um, <laughs> that's a good question. I, I guess we don't. Now that I think about it, <laughs> G- gameplay element for you know for the story. Or... Yeah, I guess it's we just refer to it as, as, uh, as gameplay. Um, 
we we really should come up with a term for that, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I mean, I know some people call them obstacles, but then I don't like that word personally because that just feels like obstacle, like that's just there arbitrarily to prevent you from reaching the next part. But you know, what, yeah. what you're doing is you know fitting them in, integrating them into the story. So <laughs> uh well look uh no but that sounds that sounds great that sounds like exactly the kind of games that i like that um and and i forgot to ask you as well do you have a particular release date or release year when you hope the game will be out um yeah so we're we're not sure at what point but the uh it'll be released at some point next year um you know as we get closer we'll we'll obviously have a little bit of a better idea but you know first and foremost we don't want to uh, we are self-publishing and, and part mm. of that is you know we we want to be able to achieve our vision for the game and um you know if that means pushing things out a little bit further um then then we're prepared to do that yeah no absolutely when when it's ready <laughs> yeah, yeah um or sometime in 2023 but uh but yeah when it's ready um well thank you so much james it's been an absolute pleasure speak to you i said i can't wait for for this game this went really high on my personal playlist when i first saw it and uh and i love story focused games and uh, narrative focused games so and these locations uh you know that uh um i'm really looking forward to as well so uh, well, thank you so, so much. A very best of luck. And I will, of course, be covering this game and development of this game as well. And uh, and the very, very best of luck with the uh, making of the game. And uh, and I hope to, we'll, we'll chat soon. We'll keep in touch. Yeah, thanks so much. It's been really fun talking about all of this. So that was my interview with James Sampson of Goldfire Studios. A huge, huge thank you to James for great to speak to me and i'm really looking forward to when the game is released and to checking it out uh when it is released hopefully sometime in 2023 but whenever it is released so i would encourage people to check out the links uh social media as well and follow james and uh and the company to find out more updates on the game as it's looking like it could be something special uh, so that is it for this month's recording. I'll be back next time with Thomas and Laura as we'll be reviewing the latest adventure games we've been playing. Uh, so uh, thank you everyone for joining me as always. And uh, again, if um, if you wanted to help promote this show, you can leave a review. You can join us on Patreon. Uh, you can also share uh, these links, these episodes. That would be great for visibility. And uh, you can join us on our social media, on Discord and Twitter, and uh, we'd love to have you. So, uh, so that's it for this week. Thanks again for listening, everyone. Take care. Goodbye. So if you like the Adventure Games podcast, then please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts please leave a review on itunes if you can as every review helps and reviews will help get the word out especially for adventure game developers who appear on the podcast now you can also follow me on social media you can follow me on twitter at advent game pod and follow me on facebook at adventure games podcast you can also follow me on instagram at adventure games podcast as well and we're also on discord at adventure games podcast so if you are a adventure game developer or adventure game player you can follow us there so again please feel free to retweet and share podcast episodes and the podcast to people who you believe may enjoy it and you can also find more information about the podcast on www.adventuregamespodcast.com so until next time thank you